Ron and Anian. We're finally recalling cars with defective airbag modules, and now there's less than 200,000 of them on the road. How come we didn't do it five years ago when the numbers were doubled or tripled? The Car Doctor. How could it be 12 to 14 years and they finally figured out there's a problem? I don't understand that. And then somebody's going to have the audacity to tell me I pick on engineers? You guys are this bad that it took you 14 years to figure it out? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. I'm Ronnie Nanny, the car doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. Let me say that again slow. Hey, Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, 855-560-9900. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, maybe you're continuing the hour. We've had an hour before. This is our second hour. If you're just tuning in, we're glad to have you here with us as uh, we spend this day together talking about cars and their problems. If you're new to the radio show, we're glad to have you, too, as we've picked up a couple of affiliates this week. And um, we continue to sit there and say, hey, we're just trying to fix cars and share what's inside my head before I forget the rest of it and um, tell you what's going on and uh, how to resolve that thing in the driveway you call an automobile that we call, oh, boy, sometimes and sometimes other things as well. Um, 43 years of auto repair sitting here behind this microphone waiting to do its work for you and uh, call them like I see them. And um, hopefully I do a better job than Major League Baseball umpires. We're not talking about baseball. We're talking about football. The Giants play tomorrow. They play Cleveland. You need to bash the Giants. So, in other words, the Giants are going to be the first team to lose to Cleveland. Let's hope not. Would not surprise us. But, but in, yeah, we, we, Tom and I take them at face value so, every so, Sunday. So the Giants are now, what, what's, what's their record, 6-3? and three? Yeah, 6-3. and three. So tomorrow, Cleveland will be 1-9. and nine. Let's hope not. 1-9. and, and, and nine. Actually, The Giants last week set a record. Second play, and I was already swearing at the TV. Well, that's because you guys take all this seriously. See, yes, we do. You want, you want me to explain auto repair and sports to you guys? Please do. <laughs> the deal is the Giants continue to lose. Look at the Jets. Holy cow. All right? You know, the Somebody only, has to look at the, the Jets. The only thing the Giants have going on is they got the Jets in their own neighborhood. All right? So, But look at the Jets. Look at the Giants. And they continue to drop balls, miss kicks, not score touchdowns, and people still keep coming to the games. If I or my other brothers and sisters in auto repair ever drop the ball, miss the field goal, didn't win the game, nobody's coming back to us. Mechanics have to be perfect every time. Period. But tomorrow, Cleveland, 1-9. That's the prediction. I can't I've, stand I've, you right I, now. I, I've, 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 consulted, I've consulted the crystal ball. I want you to know I'm doing everything I can to put the whammy on them because then the week after that... They played Dallas. They played Dallas. And I kind of got to hope that they beat Dallas, but... And you know Christmas is coming, and I told Tony if he wasn't if, if he wasn't nice to me, if he's naughty, he's going to get Cleveland Brown stuff for Christmas. Well, <laughs> he might not take he might not take it after the Giants lose to them tomorrow. Let's move <laughs> Let's move on with the show, you two. I love you, but you're you're driving me nuts. Yes, you want my prediction, Tony? So you feel better? The Giants are going to lose. There, I said it. Now, uh, when the Giants win, Tony will just keep rubbing 
the uh, the um, good luck charm that's known as the car doctor. Let's uh, let's kick the garage doors open now that you guys killed the opening monologue. I forget what the heck I was even going to talk about. Um, doesn't matter. Let's go over and talk to Chris in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Chris, help me. These guys are uh, Giants fans. What can I tell you? What's going on? Well, we're Packers fans, and we're not doing a whole lot better. So yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's and and listen, I guess I guess they really enjoy this call because they get to rub it in about that those two games that the Giants and the Packers played, trying to get into those uh, bowl games that. Um, Kind of disrupted the charts there a little bit, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it happens. You know, and you know what, Chris? I got to tell you, I read Vince Lombardi's book. I'm kind of a Packers fan too, but don't tell anybody. Oh, oh it'll be our secret. Yeah, it'll be our secret. So, what's going on? Um, I got a 2001 Ford Focus. I bought it. Um, I normally drive a 2004 Crown Vic. It's kind. It's kind of my little toy car. So I put it away for the winter. I bought a 2001 Ford Focus. It's got the two-liter ZTEC with the five-speed manual transmission. Um, it runs good. It drives good. Um, I about a week after I bought it, I bought a, a Matco uh, scan tool. I think it's just a rebranded uh, launch X431. Gotcha. So it's a and I I love it. And I kind of went with the launch brand based on what you had to say about them. Um, and uh, anyway, so I plug it in, and I just, how's, you know, how's it doing? No codes. It didn't have any codes. Um, ran, it ran good. One thing I noticed is cylinder head temp. And now, I know this one just has a cylinder head temp sensor. It doesn't have a coolant temp sensor per se, but they use cylinder head temp to infer coolant temp on these things. So coolant temp on the highway, or cylinder head temp, I'm sorry, on the highway is 222 degrees. Um the low speed fans per the scan tool aren't coming on till uh, two hundred and um, twenty five thirty some degrees yeah. or something like that. Well, they'll come and, on. Uh, that's I'm yeah. Sorry, what? Low low speed fan on that car comes on somewhere between two twenty five and two thirty two, and that is that, normal. Yep, I think that's what. Yeah. Right, I think that, and I and I thought that sounded high. I mean, now my Crown Vic, and I understand, you know, when you're going seventy miles down the highway, it's twice as big engine. It's it's only it's turning a thousand RPM less. It's probably not working nearly as hard. Cylinder head temp on that never never gets above 195 down the highway. Never gets above 205. You know when it's hot out. Um, I guess is this normal? I'm not getting any coolant loss. The oils yep. the oil seems clean. Nothing's. I mean that just seems high. Now I did notice it ran. They run a I think like an 18 or 20 psi cap on those. So I mean, are they intentionally getting the cylinder head temps up there for emissions, yep. or is there? Yep. Am I looking at something else? Nope. Here? You're that car. That car is dead on the money. And here's the scary part. All right. And here's what here's what all the so-called experts don't really think about. All right. The fact okay. that now on that car, high speed temp, the high speed fan comes on 240 to 245 degrees. Right. Yep. All right. Look how hot that thing's getting. All yeah. right, and what yeah. happens? What happens if you leave a thermostat in that car and it's five degrees off, or four degrees? Right, think, right. Think, start. We're operating that car razor thin. Okay, it's right. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. You know, two sixty is meltdown. It's right on the line of meltdown. Okay. Yeah, I can't understand why they're. I mean, I mean, if it if it's normal for the beast and it runs good, I'm you know I'm gonna run it. I did put a new stamp in it. I I do that with every car I buy, whether it's acting funny or not, because I don't know how old the old one is, and it's cheap insurance. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, listen, nothing's better than a stamp. We use them in the shop all the time, and um, you know, I've had good luck. I've never had an issue, right? Ever with them. So. And, and and you're doing it right. But my point is, look at how tight they're running that and. Your car, this car is not just the only one. There's a lot of cars out there that run this specific on temperature and and a bunch of other things that they do in order to operate. Now start thinking about this, and this is the curveball. 
Go ahead. Change the oil at 7,000 miles like the manufacturer says. Change the oil yeah. at 10,000 miles like everybody talks about. Are you insane? No. Are, no you yeah. Know, are, are you out of your mind? You know, let's just let's just run the car hot right to the ragged edge of everything and expect it to last more than 100,000 miles. I don't get it. Right. And this has got 170 on it, and I and it runs good. And I mean, and, I, and it's funny you say that about oil changes. And I know you've mentioned in your past in, the, in your past shows about not only is the oil change important, but also inspecting the vehicle. Because I changed all my own oil, and I was under it. I noticed there was an axle seal on the on the uh, CV shaft, you know, where the CV shaft comes out of seeping and it was you know and this thing only holds two quarts of oil two quarts of fluid in the transmission right you know it doesn't take long for you to to spray that out so i mean if you're not looking under there every you know three thousand four thousand miles that's a lot that it's easy to miss that stuff and next thing you know you're burning up a transmission right well and then you're going to buy Just a new as an car. example so is the three, right. is, yeah. is, is is the downplay of the three four thousand mile oil change interval is that really the work of the marketing department to get people to have to buy new cars when the trans blows up on the ten-year-old car, a fifteen-year-old car that they don't want to fix it anymore? And that, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, you know, I still you think know, about I still think about cash for clunkers and how many good cars cash for clunkers took off the street. And, uh, that's and, and, a scary. That's that's a that's a night nightmare on you know night. Right. That's a nightmare in itself. Right. Um. So I guess my other question would be in re, you know typically. What's the difference between cylinder head temp and coolant temp? I mean, I, I mean, I know obviously, you know, temperature wise. I mean, is it five degrees cooler, ten degrees cooler, yeah, it's, or it's, it's is roughly, it pretty close? It's roughly a five to ten degree difference. It depends on where that sensor is on the average. But on that car, it's within five degrees. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, uh, what I would do too is I would just verify. Uh, you know, if you wanted to use maybe a heat gun and read the upper radiator hose and then look at the coolant temp sensor. You'll typically see if, you know, 220 degrees should be about 3.4, 3.5 volts on that car coming out of the CTS. Um, okay. or, I'm sorry, the CHT. Um, you know, so if you see if you see that, then at least you've got a, a, a point to work from. But, right. you know, listen, it's just amazing how hot they make them run and what they're making them do and how right on the ragged edge they're keeping these cars. And yet people refuse to service and maintain them. And then when they blow up, they just go buy new cars. Makes no sense. Makes no yeah, sense. It, 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 yeah. is, it is really amazing. I know my wife's got a 2011 Escape, and I know it says 6,000 miles or every six months. You know, but, you know, we're doing it 3,500, 4,000 at the most oil changes. And, you know, it's a big investment. I'm going to yep. keep it on the road as long as possible. And, and what does that oil come out? At 3,500 miles, Chris, how does that oil look when it's coming out? Is it dark? I'm just curious. No, not too not, not too bad. It's still got a bit of a, you know, if you're looking at it through the sunlight, it's got a bit of a golden tint to it, you right. know, still. But I mean, if you know, but if you're, you know, if we went five or six thousand miles, I don't, I don't, I don't think that'd be the case. Right. Right. And um, we service, and I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a truck mechanic, and we service trucks. And even though a lot of them are extending their oil change intervals to, you know, twice as long, maybe twenty or thirty thousand miles, they're still getting them inspected ten to fifteen thousand miles. Now, why is that? You know, they, is, is that just, because just that... for the exact reason you mentioned? Because if you got a coolant leak, a fluid loss, you know, you know, you got a wheel seal, it might even have nothing to do with the engine itself. You got something starting to come apart, you got brake shoes cracking, you're going to see that on your inspection. Right. You know, and it's not going to get you put out of service or worse yet cause you to be sitting on the side of the road or cause an accident. Right. And it's it's oh. and it keeps the truck running longer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. So. Have you have okay, you Okay, well, awesome. Hey, listen, Chris, let me ask you, have you updated your launch tool yet? Uh, it have I up, it, well, it was updated about you know, it was the latest update around 
two weeks ago when I three weeks ago when I got it. Now, now, uh, do that does that update by wireless? Is there wireless on that tool? Or yep. yeah, yep. So so you'll just tap the update button and you'll see what updates come to you and bang off you go. Yeah, and I mean it's amazing the info and you know I kind of it's it's pricey, but at the same time I you know I work I do all my own work and I work in all you know friends and family's car. We're not all driving you know we're all not driving 1990 you know three you know olds and mules and buicks and tortoises anymore you know things everything everything's got a module everything talks to everything and if something's not working we need to know you know we need to, i need to be able to look into it and see what the computers are telling me right so i think it was well worth the investment i've you know i've used the heck out of it in the first two weeks i've had it so. now which one is that is that the x431 i believe so yeah let's look at the box it's the, the new, matco um the max new, go i think they call it it's the new tablet but i think it's just Right, it's a tablet. Yep, yeah, it's, an it's the new tablet. tablet. I are, love it. It's, are you are you print are you printing from it yet? Not yet. No. Okay. No, haven't send, printed anything from it yet. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. I'll send you the app to print from. There's a really great app, and I want to get it to you. I got to go. The clock's going to take me. Chris, pleasure talking to you. I'm Ron Anning, the Car Doctor. Back right after this. Back, running in the car doctor, rolling along. Let's get over and talk to Mike Danella, New Jersey. Mr. Mike, how are you today, sir? Ron, good afternoon, man. Good yeah. talking to you again. You too. What's going on? Um, just I'm thinking about this time of year, and my uh, my father always wanted me to help him work on the cars. And uh, you know, while he was inside having hot chocolate and marshmallows, he had me putting disc brakes on his Jaguar, and I was yeah. just trying to remember how cold it used to be and how much fun it was, you know, when I did that. And but, the reason I bring it up is because I, I was amazed. The uh, the last call you had did a lot of work on his car by himself, and I think a lot more people can do it, but they just don't want to. Right, they don't, and um, and, and that's very true. Now, let me let me ask you a personal question, Mike. At, at yes, what, sir. At what point did you lose your sight? Because I, re- I, I know who you are. I remember this. I remember our conversation. Oh, I, I was premature by two and a half months. So I lost my – I never had sight. So you've been blind from so, birth. Yeah. And you're fixing cars. Well, I used to, you know, tune them up by ear. The carburetors, we sync the carburetors on his Jaguar by ear and uh, time it and uh, pretty much get it on the money. There were different tests. You know, I can't drive, uh, of course, but uh, there were different ways we could do it uh, by, you know, putting it in fourth gear at a very low RPM and accelerating. And, and we could, you know, pretty much get it to the to the money doing that and uh, i i always enjoyed doing that because you could bring something around and, and you could feel the um oh, what i could tell you, you could you could feel what you were doing and 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 realize that something was happening if you know what i mean something right. would something would work out for you you would you would feel a sense of accomplishment you are you are a testimony to the um the uh, intestinal fortitude of the human spirit my friend um, well, you know, it, it, it's, 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 I thank you, Ron, but I, I say that only to spur some people on that really don't have any idea what goes on under the hood because if something breaks, you know, they break a nail, they get upset. Right. You know, but there are, there are ways to accomplish a whole lot. And I, by 
riding in a car that's operating properly, you can hear different things and you can feel the feel the uh different problems. Matter of fact I stand when I wait uh you know, for buses and trains and stuff when I travel and I listen to these cars go by and I hear valve tap, I hear the car not running right and you know, you can smell a car that's not running you know, that's running too rich. You know, you can hear tires that are out around and people don't even pay attention. Right. Because they're oblivious. I'd say four out of five cars that pass me do that. You know, they're oblivious. They're more concerned about their $7 cup of Starbucks coffee being just the right temperature. <laughs> and, and, and the, the You're right, right man. Of, the right amount of foam on top of the lid. Um, oh, please. So, yeah. Hey, That's listen. the least you got to worry about in life. Uh, Mike, listen, I want to take a minute and just wish you and yours a very merry holiday season. And uh, thanks for being such a long-term dedicated car doctor. I appreciate listening. your program more than ever, Ron. Thank right, you. Man. You take good care. Um, good guy. Yeah, it's uh, Mike's, Mike's been a – geez, Mike's been a listener – Oh my gosh, um, I got to think the better part of fifteen, maybe eighteen years. He's been here forever. So let's go over and talk to Basil down in Valley Grove, ninety-eight Mazda MPV, and some questions. Basil, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we haven't been able to get you in our area for quite some time. Okay. But but I still had my notes when I talked to you the last time on the air. And so I knew the phone number. Okay, cool. Well, listen, you give you give Tom the contact info, and he'll go talk to the radio station and see what their problem is. But um, what affiliate? What what station did you used to listen to us on? WVLY. WVLY. VL. Downsville, West Virginia. Downsville, West Virginia. Okay, WVLY. All right, we'll have uh, we'll have the affiliate guys go and talk to them and see what's up. Thank so, you. Anyway, what's going on? I have a 1998 Mazda MPV four-wheel drive. Right. And a friend of ours had it garaged for years, and I've had it garaged since we've had it. But the frame is completely gone. The subframe, Complete. right, the front cradle. The, the entire thing front to back is gone. Okay. I want to know, is it practical car has 61,000 miles on it, and I want to know if it's practical and economically feasible to replace the frame. Probably not, simply because it's 20 years old. And the question will be, even if the frame, even if the parts you need to replace this are available, what's next, just because of age, you know, where do you stop? If this was a $1,000 repair... And you got six months out of it, and then the transmission let go. Would you fix it? Probably not. All right, so then cut your losses. Don't even get <laughs> don't even get involved. It's just I I know it's it's enough to make you insane. It's like throwing out that good couch from the living room, but it just gets to a point where sooner or later it's just too darn old. Basil, I appreciate the call. I'll do what I can for you down there in West Virginia way. You have a good rest of the day. I'm Ron Anini, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor, rolling along. Let's get on over and talk to Corey in uh, Minnesota. Some questions about a 2000 Honda. Yeah, Corey, you're on with the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey, good afternoon, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on? So, well, I had a issue with my uh, brake lights. Uh, the wife and I had gone out at night, whatever, come home, and I thought I hadn't seen any reflection of the brake lights. All three of the brake lights were out. Bulbs were uh, good and everything. Um, did a power check back there. No power. Uh, I ended up chasing it, thinking it was the brake switch. Changed out the brake switch, uh, which was kind of a 
bit of a bugger to get to. But changed out, and that still didn't affect or correct the problem on there. I ended up in ringing out wires, figuring that there was a an open wire somewhere on the hot. There's a white and a green and white that come off of it. When it closes, the green and white's applied back to the brake lights. I ended up jumpering that out um, as far as putting a new wire in there, but then kept the existing old wire up to the uh, uh, parking or the shift solenoid so that I could still shift the vehicle. Right. And driving to work the other night, the cruise light would come on, but now I can't get the cruise to uh, to work, and it was working prior. Fuses are good and everything. Okay, did you did you change the brake light switch, Corey, or what did you change? I did, yep. Okay. Brand, brand new brake light switch on there. Brand new from where? Uh, AutoZone. Okay. <clears throat> and we, I, I put it on the bench, checked it, all looked good. And... Do we do we need to review what new means? Um, <laughs> you know, if you're a regular listener, you know what I'm going to tell you new means. Anyway, um, yes, the, yes. The, the brake light switch has main input to the cruise. Yes. All right? So... You know, first thing I would do is check the brake light switch and then check the cruise control fuse. There is a separate fuse okay. for cruise. And it is good. I already checked that one. Okay. And you went you went back through the switch again, and the switch is tested as good. It appears to be, yes. I would have to pull it back out again uh, just to reaffirm it on the bench. Do you still have the old switch? Uh, unfortunately, in taking it out, um, a little frustrated, got a little forceful, and it kind of bent it up. I can't even say it's a reliable switch to test on there. Okay. That's the problem with it. And lo and behold, it's a $40 switch, which, you know, in the price of vehicles isn't much, but I was a little taken aback by the price of the switch. Right. I would I would go back and take it. Well, listen, um, we'd have to look. I'd have to look and see what it, what it is from a Honda dealer because where do you find out the Honda dealer's $30? Um, and then, then you'll wonder what's really going on. Um, right. You know, I would obviously. Here's how I do it. There's a light green wire at the brake switch. Uh, there's yeah, a white. The power hot coming in is a white switch or a white wire, and then back to the brake lights is a green with a white on it. Right, and that's so. What I want to do is I want to check for well, power power should come in on the brake switch on the light green wire with the key on and the cruise switch on. Uh, I think it's vice versa. Actually, looking at a schematic, it, its power is on the white wire. Okay. If you have no power, though, check. Where does the fuse come in? The fuse comes in on the white wire or the white with the green? On the white wire and then leaves off the white and green. Okay. Um, I almost wonder if that schematic's backwards. I've always seen it the other way. But regardless. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, We should have power coming in then. Go ahead. It was difficult to find the schematic online. I don't have a Chilton's manual for it where I can actually go through and find a an actual wiring diagram, but what I was digging up online, it, it appears that the white wire is positive or power on there. Do me a favor. Um, it, it is a dual-purpose switch. I mean, the cruise and the and the brake. Right. Do me a favor, Corey. Send me a email. Send me an email. Send me a VIN. Okay. Send me the VIN for this car. Let me okay. go. Let me go back and let me go back and look up a wiring diagram, and I'll e- I'll email it to you. Let's okay. let's do it that way because this really should be a matter of. You know, my, my my memory is power on the brake light switch, which should be the light green wire, key on, cruise switch on, should have power. If it has no power, go through the cruise control fuse. you okay. got you got to make sure that the power that's coming in goes to pin 6, which is the black-yellow wire at the cruise control main switch. Okay. And then when that switch is pressed, the power leaves that pin, um, leaves that on pin on light green wire. Yeah, right, if that the switch has failed. I, I kind of think you got a bad brake light switch. But I would think even with that, uh, the shift the shift solenoid being energized, 
that it would work its way to the cruise switch. So there's got to be power coming off that, or is it that opposite side of the switch? Right, which is something's backwards here. Okay. Something doesn't sound right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do, that's why and I want, it appears there's only one way to put the switch in. Right. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, you, you, you'd have to really work at it <laughs> to do that back <laughs> to do that wrong. So yes. Um, yes. let's let's put an end to it. Send me a VIN. Okay. Send me a VIN, and um, I'll, this, I'll VIN match it to the wiring diagram, and then I'll send it back to you, and we'll go from there. And I'll uh, I, I'll find your email address online. Oh, it's, yeah, it's just it it's just it's just Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Okay. That's Very easy. good, sir. All right, sir. And then we'll go from there. Thanks. Good good luck to you, Corey. Thank you. Let's uh let's go up to Andy in Cape Cod, and um, some questions here on the Honda Ridgeline. Yeah, Andy, how are you? Welcome to the Car Doctor. Hi, Ron. Thank you very much, um, Ron. I I do have a question. I have uh, two vehicles now. I have a '96 York Park Avenue, which is an absolutely fantastic vehicle. Hope I keep it forever. I also have a Dodge Ram pickup. I am trying to downsize to one vehicle, but I will keep the vehicle, the car. I'm looking either a Honda Ridgeline, a Ford Sport Track. Or a Subaru Baja. None of those are currently made, with the exception of the Ridgeline. But I have heard that Ridgelines have a systemic rear axle bearing problem that has never been fixed, even if you replace the rear axle bearings. Uh, I, I'd like to know if that's true. In what you would suggest of those three—the Sport Track, the Ridgeline, or the Subaru Baja—the Ford. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get it to work both as a, a, a light-duty pickup truck and an all-day, all-purpose vehicle. The Ford car. The Ford. Um, the Ford. Uh, yeah, simply because out of out of those three choices, wh- who was it? Subaru. What'd you say? Subaru, Ford, and who was the third one? Uh, the Honda Ridgeline. Right. Out of those three manufacturers, Ford shares information with the aftermarket mechanics the easiest. Let's face it, I'm biased. Ford makes it easier for me to do my job so I can do my job to make you happy. And that's really the bottom line. Ford makes information available to us at a, at a much more affordable price than Honda or Subaru. Honda is second to Ford, and then Subaru is last, in my mind. All um, right. Well, these type of crossover vehicles, like the uh, Honda Ridgeline or the Ford Sport Track, um, they seem to be a niche vehicle that, that people don't make anymore. Right. Mostly car, but a pot truck. Uh, do you know of any systemic rear axle bearing problem with the Ridgeline? Um, I'm not aware of any, any systemic problem like that. I have heard some other issues. I'm not impressed by the Ridgeline, Andy, to be honest with you. You know, we, we see them in the shop. Yeah, there's a few, not a ton. But it's like this weird car that's... They weren't quite sure what it wanted to be when it grew up, and that's the way it always came across to me. It's it's sort of a pickup truck, but it's not. It it seems kind of boxy. It's sort of ugly. It really has no appeal to me. Uh, you know, okay. it, it's it's. I, I don't see it. I would I would look at other things. Um, then I get into the fact. The one thing that drives me crazy about Hondas, absolutely bonkers, is anytime you talk to anybody in a Honda dealership, in a tech department. They don't want to talk to you. Their service departments just keep everything in-house. They don't think anybody else in the world can fix cars. And you know what, dude? I'm sorry. I've made a living fixing cars, and I think I'm pretty good at it. And I think, it. I, I think I'm worth listening to if I've got a question or a comment about something. And I think there's a lot of other guys out there like me that if they have a question or a comment, they, they deserve to be heard. And well, actually, yeah, go ahead. I'm I was going to say, Honda just takes this position that we're Honda. We never make mistakes. And that, that's wrong. You know, everybody makes mistakes. You know, it's anyway. You had a, you had a comment. 
Well, the thing, I, I'm glad what you said about the Ford. My preference was the Ford Sport Track, which is made on an Explorer chassis. They haven't made that since 2010, but that type of vehicle, half car, half truck, no one really makes anymore, and they're all commending top dollar used. The the prices of the used sport tracks are, are off the chart. Uh, but that was my first preference. I'll keep looking for one if that's what you recommend. Yeah, I would I would I would pick the Ford. Let me ask you a question real quick, Andy. How do you listen to the show up there in Cape Cod? Uh, I listen to it typically when I'm traveling back every Sunday from my camp in Northern Maine, and I believe it's one uh, oh. 3.9 and 101.3. The Voice of Maine, yeah. The Voice of Maine. That's yep. where I listen to it, yep. The Voice of Maine. Just curious. And I habitually traffic, travel on a Sunday, and I listen to it on The Voice of Maine every week I can. Well, I'm glad to have you there, Andy. Thank you very much. Well, Ron, thanks for your help. Have you, a good day. You too. Take good care. I'm Ron and Andy in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on Nanny and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Denny in Louisiana. Oh, th- boy, I tell you what, the show's all over the country today. Holy cow. I guess that's what they mean by syndicated. Let's go talk to Denny in Louisiana. Hey, Denny, welcome to Ron I'm sorry, man. I'm just, you know, sometimes I get overwhelmed by what this is. Um, you know, it's just amazing to me. So how can I help you, sir? Well, first, a big fan, great show. Always learn something when I listen. Thank you. Um, the, the problem I have is I have a 2003 Cadillac DeVille with North Star engine. It's a wonderful car, belonged to my father, and uh, I purchased it uh, from him. And, he, and it runs great, no problems with it at all, except it kills every once in a while. Okay. And, it's, and there's no vibration, no nothing. It just goes dead and it starts right back up. And it's normally when you're slowing down maybe to make a turn. You might drive it for two or three weeks and nothing happens, and it might do it two or three days in a row once. Any fault and codes? It never happened on the road. Any fault codes? Any, any, Pardon? any fault codes come up? Yeah, yeah. I had, I had service engine. I don't remember what the exact code was, but it was um, three, crankshaft position sensors. 335? I, I just don't recall. Okay. Um, 335, 336. 385, 386, or 1599 may be set, which are not completely uncommon. Um, they are indications of fault in the crank sensor area of the vehicle. Now, what's sort of unique is this particular vehicle has two crank sensors. It has a high and a low. It has an A and a B. Right. All right. Uh, you know, right. we'll make the assumption, the first part of the, there's a bulletin out about this, bulletin 0206. I'll go slow. I'll remember this slowly. 02 06. Dash oh four dash oh one nine. It's been out there a good ten twelve years. Um, one of the first things it talks about is making sure that the crank sensors are in their correct position because the A and the B can be switched. Mm-hmm. So you know you want to make sure of that. I mean I'm, I doubt it. I'm sure if, you know the problem appeared and it, it, it wasn't there one day and then it was the next. Nobody swapped the sensors. But what they talk about is some very specific things about doing a drag test on the crank sensor terminals making sure that they have good connectivity from harness to sensor, 
And then they talk about changing the sensors based on date code. Um, right. This is a very common problem. Now, and, and let me let me put this caveat out there. Here's a case where absolutely positively I would only use a new sensor, a GM or a Delco piece with GM part right. numbers on it. And, right. and, and here's right. why. Cars uh, 14 years old. Right. You know, the blueprint of the part that went to the aftermarket, did they ever catch up and redo this bulletin? I don't know. It depends on the brand of part, to be quite honest. And, you know, there's good and bad and all, but I'm just trying to be cautious and avoid having to change these sensors twice because they are in an ugly location. All right. right? You know, they're, they're, they're in a great spot if you can bend your wrist um, sideways. <laughs> Okay, you know, if it, it's sort of like if if your knees worked backwards and your wrist worked backwards, then you could change these right, sensors with right. no problem. But other than that, you're taking right. half the car apart. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, you right. know. So so that being said, um, one of the things you could do if you wanted to diagnose it is if your mechanic has a lab scope, I would have no problem okay. going to the PCM, and what we call it waving, wave out the crank sensors, get a get a, at least a two, if not a three channel scope, use another signal to verify. Um, just watch the crank sensor signals. Are they are they correct? Do they ever blank out? Do they ever you know fail? Uh, right. would, would be a great way to diagnose it because crank sensors will cause that exact condition. It's all over the internet. Everybody's talking about it. And oh yeah, definitely. The, uh, you know, and and the thing that amazes me is they talk about it, and if I read some of the fine print, they don't go through the rest of the bulletin because the rest of the bulletin talks about. There's also concerns with grounds off the PCM. All right. There's also some concerns about the PCM internally as well, all right? And right. then they also talk about problems with the fuel pressure regulator and leaky injectors. I mean, there's a bunch of things. This bulletin is definitely worth reading and, okay. and, and, and taking a look at. So tell your mechanic, like I said, it's 02-06-04-019. It's in uh, Section 6 in the GM bulletins back then. That's how they did it under engine systems and that's it's dated april 2003 or 2002 something like that it's quite old right um you know i even i even went to the local cadillac dealer to ask them that specific question and they told me no they didn't have anything right. at all yeah that's okay they don't, the, the, the guys in the dealership are too young they don't remember anything that old so you gotta you gotta be a fossil like me in order yeah, in order to fix this you. stuff all right sir I got you. Do that if you got oh, a problem. Thank you very, 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 You're very Ron, welcome, thank you very much. You're very welcome. You know where to find me if you need me, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor, and I will be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on Eating the Car Doctor. By the way, just keep in mind, 855-560-9900-247. You can call, leave a message, and we will call you back and get you in queue for the next live show. We are live on the network Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m., and I see Tom walking up to the microphone. He must have a question. Yes, well, Ron and Amy, the car doctor at your service, sir. How can I help you? Well, not really a question, but we, you know, we were talking during the break. We got all these calls coming from all over the country. I, yeah, I, I don't how, think how you, is that? I don't know, but I don't think you quite realize how big this show is. Well... I don't think I do, Tom. I just, well, well, I, you let know. Me, let me tell you the story. You, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was up at a client station up in Elmira, New York, and I came down the hill and came out of the hotel the next morning to find a 
a nail through the sidewall of my tire. Yeah, right. You texted it to me. Yeah. yeah you so, never told me. What ended up happening with that? Well, I ended up going over to the uh, tire place, and, uh, you know, I mean, this is this car. I it, pe- People wondered, do you put mileage on the car? Yeah, it was 15 months old. It has 68,000 miles on it. So these are the original tires that came on the Ford Escape. Uh, so I figured, just do all four. So the guy comes out, and he looks at me. He says, you know, these back tires are wearing awful funny. They're wearing on the inside. I said, really? I says, had the, I just had the car to Ron and Anian's the other day, and he didn't say a thing about tire wear. And he looked at me and went, Ron and Anian, like the car doctor? I said, yeah. He says, I don't think you need an alignment. And he walked away. I think I want red jelly beans in my studio next week. Um, can I get those? Sure. So, wow. Wilson. I'm, you know, that is weird. And yet it is. It, it, is, like- it is weird. It's it's listen, I, I still remember the story way back. We were on vacation one year down in South Jersey and I'm sitting on the beach wearing an RA automotive home with a car doctor T-shirt. And some guy came up and started talking to me and like, do you know the car doctor? And I was like, well, maybe um, and that was a whole nother conversation. But uh, yeah. Wow. So listen, I am very glad. And very happy to be here to get to talk to each and every one of you every week. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.